Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. This is True Crime Psychology and Personality, where we discuss the pathology behind some of the most horrific crimes and those who committed them from a scientifically informed perspective. I'm Dr. Todd Grande. I have a PhD in counselor education and supervision, and I'm a licensed professional counselor of mental health. Dr. Todd Grande, that's my YouTube channel. Today's question is, can I analyze the case of Sidney Loof? First, I will look at the background of this case, move to the timeline of the crime, then offer my analysis. Sidney Loof was born in Broken Bow, Nebraska on August 21, 1993. This is a rural area just over three and a half hours west of Omaha. Sometime around 2000, her family moved to Neely, Nebraska, which is just over two hours northwest of Broken Bow. Cindy graduated from high school in 2011 and eventually found work in Lincoln, Nebraska. She worked for a home improvement store called Menards. Cindy suffered from both depression and anxiety and used substances like cocaine and marijuana. Now moving to the next player in the narrative, Aubrey Clifton Trail was born on September 7, 1966. He was mistreated as a child and ended up in the foster care system, where he frequently moved from one foster home to another. As a teenager, he committed armed robbery and spent some time in prison. Eventually, he added to his criminal history with forgery and driving offenses. In 2017, Aubrey lived in a basement apartment of a duplex in Wilbur, Nebraska, which is about 45 minutes south of Lincoln. Living with him in the residence was his girlfriend. Her name was Bailey Boswell. She was born on February 26, 1994, so she was close in age to Sydney. Bailey was raised in Iowa. Her father was murdered when she was young. Bailey was a successful athlete in high school. She was offered a scholarship to play basketball in college, but she had different plans. Bailey decided to use substances and found herself in trouble with the law for possessing drug paraphernalia. At some point, Bailey married a man named Freddie Pinnell and had a daughter. The couple lived in Missouri. They lost custody of their daughter due to substance use. Bailey wanted to rebuild her life, therefore she went online and sought what is referred to as a sugar daddy. This is how she ended up with Aubrey Trail. Now moving to the timeline of the crime. Bailey Boswell and Sidney Loof connected on Tinder and scheduled a date for November 14, 2017. Bailey did not use her real name, 
Rather, she used the name Audrey, with a D, which appears to have been inspired by her boyfriend's name, Aubrey, with a B. The date between Bailey and Sydney took place in the basement apartment that Bailey and Aubrey shared. Aubrey was not there at the time. That afternoon, he and Bailey had checked into a hotel right by the store where Sydney worked in Lincoln. When Bailey went out on the date, Aubrey stayed behind at the hotel. Bailey and Sydney scheduled another date for the next day, November 15. Prior to the second date, Bailey and Aubrey did some shopping at various places like Home Depot, Dollar General, and even the Menard store where Sydney worked. The couple purchased a hacksaw, a utility knife, extra blades for a utility knife, wire cutters, bleach, an air freshener, protein bars, a thermometer, lighters, food grinders, drain cleaner, and trash bags. They could not have been more obvious about their intentions if they purchased the well-known self-help video, How to Win Friends and Murder People. When Aubrey was entering the Menard store, he actually passed Sydney as she was exiting. Before leaving for her date on November 15, Sydney posted an image on Snapchat. It contained the caption, Ready for my date. Unfortunately, Bailey and Aubrey were also ready. Bailey picked up Sydney from Sydney's residence, and they drove to Wilbur, Nebraska. Sometime after arriving at the basement apartment, Bailey and Aubrey murdered Sydney. They dismembered her body and disposed of it in a rural area about an hour west of Wilbur. On November 16, Sydney's mother reported her missing after Sydney did not show up to work at Menards. The police stopped by Sydney's residence the next day. They did not see any evidence of an altercation. They noticed that her vehicle was in the driveway, and she had also left behind her eyeglasses and her purse. Using data from Sydney's cell phone provider, the police were able to determine that she had traveled to Wilbur, Nebraska. Sydney's phone was deactivated at 8.32 p.m. on November 15. One of Sydney's friends used Tinder to make contact with Bailey, again believing that Bailey's name was Audrey. The friend was able to establish contact and obtain Bailey's phone number. With the cell phone data and the information from Sydney's friend, the police were able to figure out Bailey's identity, which led them to where she lived. The police searched the basement apartment, but did not find anyone there. They did, however, notice an odor of bleach. It looked as though somebody had tried to clean portions of the walls in the apartment. The owner of the duplex said that on November 16, the smell of bleach was incredibly strong, so powerful that one of their family members vomited from breathing it in. While on the run from the police, Bailey and Aubrey posted videos to social media, implying the police falsely identified them as the killers. They denied having anything to do with Sydney's murder. Bailey and Aubrey were arrested on November 30 at a motel in Branson, Missouri. They were not charged with murder at this time, rather carrying stolen merchandise. This was unrelated to Sydney's disappearance. At the time of their arrest, the couple had hiking shoes, maps, and sleeping bags. Their plan was to flee to Mexico. Using cell phone data, the police were able to figure out where the couple had been around the time Sydney disappeared. They retraced the journey that the couple had made. On December 4, Sydney's remains were found inside of trash bags along a gravel road. Additional remains were discovered the next day. 
the bags were scattered across several different areas. In addition to body parts, clothing and sex toys were found in the bags. Both Bailey and Aubrey refused to talk to the police, but a while later, Aubrey decided to confess. He actually offered several different confessions, some of them contradictory. In confession number one, he said that he killed Sidney without help from anyone. In confession number two, he said that Sidney died on November 16 after having a third date with Bailey. In his third confession, Aubrey said that he was with Bailey and Sidney as part of a sexual fantasy. He accidentally killed Sidney while choking her. In confession number four, Aubrey said there was no threesome. It was just him and Sidney, but he still killed her accidentally. The authorities did not know which confession, if any, to believe, but they did believe that Aubrey was the killer. He told them to search a cemetery in Wilbur for Sidney's phone, driver's license, and credit card. The police found those items right where he said they would be. In May of 2018, Bailey and Aubrey pleaded guilty to unrelated federal charges. They had defrauded a couple in Kansas out of $375,000. In June of 2018, Bailey and Aubrey were charged with murder in the first degree and improper disposal of human remains. In February of 2019, Aubrey was also charged with conspiracy to commit murder. Six months later, Bailey would face the same charge. They both pleaded not guilty to all charges. In June of 2019, Aubrey pleaded guilty to the improper disposal charge, but maintained his innocence regarding the murder and conspiracy. During a court proceeding that same month, Aubrey yelled, quote, Bailey was innocent and I curse you all, unquote, before dragging something metal across his neck, possibly a piece of a razor blade. He was taken to the hospital and survived. Aubrey did not make a great contribution toward Bailey's defense by doing this. Furthermore, what if Aubrey had not survived, but people were only able to make out the first part of what he said? Like they would be standing there saying, who was innocent? I didn't catch that. This is yet another example stressing the importance of enunciating. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. My name is Bill Huffman, and I am a former Cleveland news producer, and I am now the host of the podcast Who Killed? I began the show focusing on the unsolved murder of Amy Mahalovic, and now each week I explore a different case with a focus on some of the victims who don't get the attention they deserve. I have a deep catalog of over 225 episodes, so there is a guarantee there will be something for you. Who Killed is an evergreen podcast, killer podcasts, and slow burn media production. Subscribe today wherever you get your favorite shows. The evidence against Bailey and Aubrey was substantial. For example, cell phone records placed their phones near Sydney's phone. They purchased items before the murder, like the hacksaw, garbage bags, bleach, and drain cleaner. Three women testified that Bailey and Aubrey expressed an interest in a negative behavior, specifically recording the torturing and killing of victims for profit. 
like the pair intended to sell the videos. And, of course, Aubrey had confessed many times. The defense did not deny that Aubrey and Bailey killed Sidney. Rather, they tried to take a different approach. Their position was that Aubrey accidentally killed Sidney. They presented evidence showing that Sidney appeared to have an interest in sexual fantasies involving choking. As far as Bailey, she was presented as young, vulnerable, and weak-minded. She was manipulated by the intellectually superior and older Aubrey into participating in the murder. In July of 2019, Aubrey was convicted of the two remaining charges, murder and conspiracy. Bailey was convicted of all charges in October of 2020. In June of 2021, Aubrey was sentenced to death. In November of 2021, Bailey was sentenced to life in prison. Now moving to my analysis. Here are my thoughts on a few areas that stood out to me in this case. Item number one. There is no question that Aubrey and Bailey were guilty of murder. Again, their lawyers didn't even deny that they killed the victim. The idea that the death was accidental is impossible to believe. It's clear the murder was premeditated. Why else did the couple purchase all those supplies that looked as though they were for disposing of a body? Were they making those purchases just in case they accidentally killed someone? Item number two, in case there was any doubt left as to their guilt, the couple removed it entirely by sending messages to each other in prison. They developed their own little code to encrypt their messages, but not surprisingly, it was very easy to decipher. In the messages, they revealed that they were both guilty of murder. The point of their communication was to align their stories. Aubrey was going to take responsibility and exonerate Bailey. In one note, he wrote, quote, We have to make people hate me and feel sorry for you, unquote. Well, he successfully completed the first part, so they were halfway to their dreams. Item number three. I mentioned that three women testified against Aubrey and Bailey. Two of them testified about a bizarre fantasy that Aubrey maintained. Namely, he considered himself to be a vampire who had the power to fly and to read minds. All the women who he paid under a sugar daddy arrangement were considered witches to him. Aubrey called himself Daddy and made the women refer to him with that name and referred to Bailey as Queen Witch. Bailey actively recruited women into Aubrey's fantasy world. The women would help steal and sell antiques with the couple, so they entered into a criminal conspiracy with the couple. Aubrey had bizarre rules for the women to follow. For example, when they were in his residence, they were not allowed to wear clothing. He also had a strange promotion policy, so to speak. Aubrey told them that they could increase their special witch powers by killing people. One of the women even agreed to kill another woman, but did not follow through with it. The women said that Aubrey choked them and Bailey during sex, and frequently talked about murdering people as if it was just an ordinary topic of discussion. The two women believed that Aubrey was telling the truth about being a vampire. They said he was very convincing. It appears the only special power they possessed was gullibility. Item number four, it seems clear that this murder was based on sexual sadism. Only a small percentage of homicides qualify as having this motive. However, it is a common motive for serial killers. If Aubrey was not arrested, he may have killed again. We don't have a lot of information about the mental health or personality characteristics for Aubrey Trail, but what about these types of killers in general? 
These killers tend to have a number of unusual sexual preferences. They tend to be isolated socially and are often considered awkward in social situations. Their crimes are typically organized, involve gratuitous violence, and feature enactment of fantasies. Personality disorders are extremely common for these types of killers, including antisocial, narcissistic, borderline, schizoid, and schizotypal personality disorders. As far as the vampire fantasy, this has been featured in other cases. For example, Rod Farrell, the leader of the so-called vampire clan who killed two people in Florida in November 1996. I think the fantasy about mystical powers and vampires is really just designed to attract conspirators. The bizarre mystical story disguises the sadistic nature and true intentions of the offender. In this sense, it's a way of deflecting blame and avoiding explanations. Like Aubrey was just trying to gain powers from murder victims for his so-called witches. It wasn't really about his sadistic desires. In reality, Aubrey was a killer who used his tales of vampires and witches to easily manipulate vulnerable women who had submissive sexual fantasies. This has been True Crime Psychology and Personality from Ars Longa Media. This content is for educational and entertainment purposes only. Ars Longa, Vita Brevis. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.